Welcome to the Hibernacle. It's our winter retreat where we pretend the outside world doesn't exist. I'm Lisa Sykes, editor of the Simple Things magazine, and in this second episode, I'm here having tea and crumpets with Bex Frank, our well-being editor, and we're finding small ways to, that will help us thrive in winter. Hello, Bex. Hi, Lisa. How are you feeling about winter so far? Well, mixed, really. I, I don't like the grey. I like it when it's bright and sunny and crisp. Um, but uh, I do quite like the enforced downtime, I have to say. Well, that's lucky because we're embracing calm this episode. And uh, we're looking at how we spend our time in winter from the ways we do that to how we look after ourselves and ease ourselves into a new year and also keep our stresses at bay. This season's been supported by Charmwood Stoves, who's a longtime partner of The Simple Things. And of course, there's nothing really more calming than the flames of a real fire. Charmwood's wood and multi-fuel stoves are more eco and efficient than ever. And that they're, I think they're especially good on a long, dark afternoon where maybe you don't want to heat the whole house and you can just cozy up in your living room or your diner and enjoy the, 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 the flames and doing nothing, really. Um, you can learn more about them and, and find a local stockist at charmwood.com. So what I really love about January, Bex, is there's no pressure to do stuff. Exactly. It's just so acceptable to stay at home, isn't it? And go to bed early and quiet pleasures. And for me, I think there's only twice in the year when time seems to slow down like this. And one is in midsummer where you get those long twilights and, you know, the evening, you can stay outdoors really late and just enjoy the summer. But the other one is in midwinter when effectively your day actually ends in the mid-afternoon, doesn't it? And as darkness comes in and then you get this long evening ahead of you. That's right. And um, I don't know, because you're a summer fan, aren't you? But do, do you like that stretchy time of midwinter as well? I do. And because I think in summer, which I do I do love, you, there are a lot more distractions and I feel guilty sort of, or I don't want to be in my house and I want to be out there doing things and seeing people. Whereas in winter at this time of year, I like to do more kind of solitary pastimes I guess and um, things like um, writing and baking mm, and mm. nice things that I enjoy doing but sometimes get pushed to the bottom of my list at other times of the year. I know what you mean because you have more time to think in this time of year don't you? Yeah. I, I think and, and reflect and, and look back as well as look forward and maybe that's because it's the new year as well but is it a good time to maybe keep a diary or a journal? Do you, do you keep one? Well I, I was a massive diary writer as a teenager. I would I would write an entry every day not often the most exciting things it has to be said uh -huh. but now I have a couple of journals that I keep by the side of my bed I don't write in them every day but I go through phases and one of them's got sort of prompts and questions so it might you know make me think about things that I'm grateful for or people that I want to see more of or something that's made me smile and that's that's a really nice thing to get into the habit of doing and then I have one that's just um, a blank notebook and I sometimes Sometimes write in there if I've got a lot on my mind or if I sometimes you know that feeling when you're going to bed and you know mm. you know that you're the thoughts that you're having are going to keep whirring in your mind oh yeah and you're going to think about it all yeah, night exactly yeah. so yeah. then I find that kind of brain dumping onto just a bit of paper even if it's a list or just some thoughts or things that I want to get out of my head that will help me to have a better night's sleep. Well, that's uh, that's really interesting because um, I found a great statistic, actually, that says only 27% of us keep a diary. Is that right? Which is, you know, only just about a quarter. And I thought, oh, that's I'm surprised about that. I'm surprised. But then I think maybe people don't think they keep one, but they do because I was going to say, oh, I don't really keep a diary. But 
what I do do is keep a sort of garden diary. I, I keep notes about my garden because I like it a lot and I spend a lot of time in it. And things like wildlife, I see like, you know, I might record the first crocus or the first snowdrop or oh that's lovely um if i hear a woodpecker mm. drumming on a tree which they do at this time of year it's a nature journal yeah it is and i don't i don't really think of it as a diary but actually when i reread them they're not just about my garden they record like how i'm feeling at that time or what the weather was like and you know about mood and also places you visit and things as well so actually maybe I do keep a diary after all and I wonder if other people don't you know there are lots of ways to do it aren't there there are definitely I also have um, a notebook of ideas I mean obviously you know I'm a writer so I'm constantly having to think about mm. new ideas but it's just um, I have my kind of ideas at the back of the book and I have my current things that I'm working on at the front right and I go through I mean I probably get through about four or five of these a year but it's quite nice seeing how and you know, I look at the things that I've got to do and then I might look at the back for just some inspiration and I can write anything down there just something I've heard quote something someone's told me I must watch or read and um, I find that really helpful because things do otherwise just go a bit out of my head I've got to be honest I know and this thing about writing it down isn't it as opposed to just jotting it online somewhere or on your phone or yeah I think there's a, a notebooks are really nice to I keep lots of my old notebooks and occasionally I'll look through them but of course the real the real one to look at is your teenage diaries isn't it <laughs> yeah. they are excruciating uh, I mean I don't know about you but I I had um snoopy diaries when I was a teenager <laughs> Oh, mine was mine was Garfield actually yeah there you go <laughs> yeah and um and they're just I mean my mum actually cleared a loft out a, a while ago and she sent me um a load of diaries and letters that I'd written as a student because of course I was a student before you had emails yeah and um and and I just know she'll have read the diaries. I know she will. Because there's something about coming across a diary, isn't there? I think I think the same happened to me, actually. A box was sent to me or given to me at some point with lots of my letters and diaries in it. And I'm sure, I mean, I know for a fact, because he used to tell me that my brother used to read my diaries when I was younger. Oh, no. Because I had one that locked, I thought was a very sophisticated lock, that he claimed that a paper clip could do it in about three <laughs> seconds. Um, no. Not so secret diary after all. But I wonder, do you think... Think anyone could come across a diary and not and resist having a little peek well it's interesting isn't it because I I was talking because I assumed you know we've both got teenage daughters and I assumed that our girls did not keep diaries because you know they have access to their friends all the time in a way that we probably didn't as teenagers because you know we didn't have the same they've got more distractions definitely sort of yeah um, constant contact yeah and and but actually when I brought this up with them the other day they fessed up that they actually, in fact, both keep diaries. Not every day and not always regularly. And they maybe start them and then don't always finish them. Oh, well, I think that's a really good thing. Of course. They just didn't tell me because who tells your mum you're keeping a secret diary? No, they're not. Because now, of course, I really want to know where they are. No, and you mustn't go looking for it. I won't. I respect their privacy. But I think that's a really good thing that they're doing that because um, diary writing, journal writing, any kind of writing down of your thoughts and feelings is has been shown to be um, a really good way of, of, of helping you to process emotions. Mm. And it's also actually a really nice thing to do to reflect back. So sometimes you don't really realize how things have changed or how far you might have come. And I think when you look back, if you can look back in your diary or just your notes or even just a little for thought or a feeling that you had for that day, you might think, oh, I was worried about that then. And actually that 
turned out okay in the end. Yeah, no, I think that's really important, isn't it? That, that it doesn't matter what you've actually written. When you reflect back on it, it means something or, you know, it tells you something about how you were, were at that time. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I was really touched that the, that my teenagers are keeping diaries because it's nice to know some things don't change after all, isn't it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> um, so Bex, picture the scene. It's, uh, it's getting dark. It's a January weekend tea time's coming up the day is stretching ahead of you what are you gonna do well I might um I quite like reading at this time of year getting into some kind of something that takes or baking or making something something that maybe takes a bit longer that I wouldn't normally have time for I feel like this at the weekend quite a lot at the moment January I've not had loads of plans which I actually really enjoy because it's so busy before Christmas isn't it and um so I might like make something that takes a bit longer that I wouldn't normally do I might just well, you love cooking, don't you? I do love cooking. I've been making like night really nice pies and nice comfort foods and might just curl up in an afternoon and watch TV, watch a film, read a book, something I would literally never allow myself to do at any other time of the year. A rare thing, yeah. And I what I quite like is you don't it's not always the most exciting activity at this time of year, is it? And it can be quite slow and that actually there's something rewarding about it. Yeah. And I think that there's a real challenge in learning something new. I mean, I've dabbled in, you know, baking, sewing, knitting, whatever. Um, and, you know, I'm never very good at any of them. But the point is, it's actually, in a way, the harder it is, the more absorbing it is sometimes. It's like... Yeah, it doesn't matter um, whether you're an expert in something or not. In fact, it's the kind of learning and concentrating that brings you that sort of nice feeling of satisfaction but also takes you into a bit of a kind of um, meditative state it's been shown that while we're doing Mm -hmm. these um, you know quite repetitive maybe quite slow tasks something like sewing Mm -hmm. something knitting um, baking that your your mind goes into um, sort of it relaxes and goes into and and a more creative thinking comes about so you might find that do you ever find you know sometimes if you've got a lot in mind, you do something, you take a break from it. If it's work, something that's an idea might come to you yeah. while you're while you're not actually trying to think about it. Yes. No, exactly. Actually, that happened yesterday because yesterday I was trying to finish what I what I hope will be some very lovely mustard corduroy culottes. Um, and, and you've got to understand that I am a very beginner sewer. So this is a big challenge for me. That sounds quite ambitious. No, well, I do go to a class, but I try and do some at home as well. So I got set, set out my stall and I started doing this and it took me ages to suss out how to put this zip in. And it was, you know, I got really frustrated in the middle, but all the time I wasn't thinking about the other things that I've been stressed about. Yeah. And at the end of it, you know, everything seemed a lot brighter. <laughs> and um, it's, it's funny, isn't it, how that happens? Yeah, it, it, it always works. You just have to trust the process, don't you? You have to believe that that will happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these things are different for everyone, aren't they? Everyone has different pastimes. Definitely. Because one of the things I I do and I only really do it more in the winter is because I really like researching my family history. Oh yes. How's that going? And I started doing this when my nan was still alive. Um, because the, the the rule of family history is you find your oldest relative, you make a cup of tea and you sit down and you ask them questions. And actually we- such a nice thing to do. It was. And, and, and it kind of worked with my nan because she lived, you know, 300 miles from me and I didn't see her that often, but she'd ring me and she'd go, oh, I've remembered now his name was Bill and, you know, stuff like this. I bet she really enjoyed that as well. 
Yeah, she did. And, you know, it, it was, it, it's brilliant how even the most ordinary family can have great stories or, you know, slight mispronunciations yeah. or little mysteries. Yeah. Like there was this brilliant story about um, Aunt Selina, who apparently was from Dewsbury, because I grew up in Huddersfield, which is not far from Dewsbury. So it all made perfect sense. And I couldn't find her anywhere, and anywhere at all. And then I eventually found her and she actually lived in Shrewsbury, not Dewsbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like, and, and that had just been family, you know, of course, Aunt Selina came from Dewsbury. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, Actually, for me and my nan, it was it was quite poignant because later on she got dementia and actually she spent a whole time living in the past then. And so being able to talk to her about people who she could remember and tell yeah. you stories about when she couldn't remember every, who everyone was in the current yeah. was just really lovely. Really nice thing for both of you to do. Um, so, yeah, so that took me in a different place and I, I've carried on doing it. Um, but but uh, I know you like a jigsaw, don't you? I really do like jigsaw. Not they're kind of quite a popular thing at Christmas, aren't they? But I always think Christmas I'm just too busy to to do a jigsaw. So I think January, February are great times to have one on the go. Maybe you've still got your Christmas jigsaw on the go. Um, I, I like the fact that in in a way mm. it can be frustrating because you can sit down and suddenly an hour's gone and you where's it gone and what have you been doing? But that sort of wasted kind of idle time is is quite it's quite rewarding. Wasting. What's the phrase? Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted time. Exactly. It's exactly <laughs> that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, and I like how the whole family kind of go, oh, jigsaws, we don't really like jigsaws, but then you'll catch them sort of having a sort of a cheeky. Yeah. I mean, someone will be slipping a piece in, won't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I, the rule is I have to put the last piece in because it's my jigsaw. Ob- yeah. Obviously. Priority. No, well, I've got two at the moment that I'm really excited about. I've got a Jane Austen one and an Agatha Christie one, both of whom are two of my favourite authors. But I, so I'm. They must have been presents for you, Lisa. They were, and well thought presents. Yeah. Um, but actually, that leads me nicely onto our January issue because one of my favourite features in this issue is we've done a, and our January issue is the Nook issue, and we've done a feature on comfort reading yes that's been a really popular feature yes because when the world's a bad place what's nicer than finding it like a childhood favorite to reread or a comic classic or some period drama or um th- there's so many good books because you read it didn't you was there any that you really liked well the one that I immediately jumped out at me because I read it loads when I, I haven't read it for a few years was Anne of Green Gables oh. um because that was a, a real fave of mine but yeah I think this time of year again kind of about four books by the side of my bed and I'm dipping in and out of really want to read mm-hmm. um, Wolf Hall again so I've got that down because I think winter's a good time to tackle a, a bigger read but I've also got I like reading cookbooks so I'll bring down the cookbooks and read some of the words around them rather than just flicking through to find a recipe definitely a gardening book yeah. just you know a, a memoir things that I, it's just an opportunity to pick up some books that you might not normally read isn't it no, it's nice to have a few things around you, isn't it? The thing is, I, I remember um, when the kids were younger, we started doing more reading aloud because they were not, you know, they were quite reluctant readers as uh, when they were at school. And, and we used to do what we called family reading and we made a bit of an event of it. So we'd all pile into the landing and get some bean bags and things like that and all sit down and everyone would bring the book they were reading oh how nice and the rule was everybody got to read a little extract from their book and they had to read it out loud Mm. and then to make sure everyone else was listening people used to have to ask a question 
about the book. And and actually, it became a real ritual. And I think the girls really enjoyed it. I'm not sure whether they'd carry on doing it now. Yeah. But yeah, but reading aloud, people don't really do that much anymore, do they? No, I mean, reading used to be something that people did together. Um, and it's become much more of a solitary thing, hasn't it? But um, there are there are lots of benefits to reading aloud, apart from reading with your kids, which I think a lot of people do, and then get out of the habit. It's a nice thing to kind of try and rediscover if you can. It doesn't have to be like a whole chapter of a book or maybe even just a short poem or something but it's quite an intimate thing to do as you kind of found with your family and it makes you listen as well when you're being read too it helps you to no, really listen to that person definitely and, and shut off your mind well I'm about to read um another of our short stories because we commission an original bedtime story in each issue of the magazine and it only takes a few minutes to read it but I read one in the last episode and I just hadn't read aloud for such a long time and I really enjoyed reading it. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of... Did you find that you kind of got got more into the story or did you find it quite calming? I did and it made me read more slowly. So you are actually taking the words in as you're reading them yeah. in a way you might... Rather than rushing. Yeah, not if you were just reading it in your head. Um, and also I enunciated better. I spoke nicely, as my mum would say. Um, so anyway... <laughs> I'm going to read a recent one now to you, but it's about a storm, which seems apt as January to me always feels a bit like the calm after the hectic storm of December. So see what you think to this. The Circle, a short story by Charmaine Wilkerson. The murmurs began the day after the storm. Did you see, said the man who lived across the street, jutting his chin toward the tree man's house. His neighbours nodded, frowning. But at first, none of them spoke of what they had witnessed. The three men kept their thoughts to themselves. It was the kind of thinking that could cause embarrassment. At first, they merely grunted their greetings as they dragged fallen branches into place between their homes. They gathered splintered birdhouses and other items that had blown across their yards. Bins for the recyclables, a child's pink tricycle, a cashmere jumper found clinging to a Burberry's hedge. This was to have been the last big storm of the winter, but they no longer knew what to expect of the seasons. Finally, the neighbours crossed the road together, to the soggy edge of the tree man's lawn. They eyed the damage to his property and turned questioning gazes onto one another. Did you see? They knew the tree man would not be home. His daughter had come to fetch him before the storm. She was still a child when they'd first started calling her father the tree man. The nickname had made him smile. Back then, he was a youngish widower and they were still teenagers. They would watch him picking at a tree trunk or turning a low-hanging leaf this way and that, his daughter by his side. The tree man's daughter was turning into the lane now, her children in the back seat of her rover. Father and daughter climbed down from the vehicle, their mouths falling open at the sight of the damage. Their tallest tree, the ash, was scorched and split along the full length of its trunk. Oh no, shouted the children. Year after year, the tree man had checked the ash for fungus and borers. He had added mulch around the cedar, cleared the apple trees of woolly aphids, told his younger neighbours that everything was connected. Everything was a circle. Give and receive, the tree man liked to say. 
It was a tree man's devotion to his giant wards that gave his neighbours courage now to tell him what they'd seen from their windows during the storm. The strangest thing, one of them began. Then they were all talking at once. They told the tree man how, as winds top 90 kilometres an hour, the trees seemed to form a circle around his house, their limbs reaching towards one another even against the wind. The cedar and ash to the north, the maple and apple to the south, their branches quivered and stretched as if to protect the home. Then came the lightning. The men lowered their voices. They swore the ash cried out, as if a flash of fire cut through its canopy. The other trees tipped their crowns back, away from the house, as if recoiling before folding in again around the building. The tree man and his daughter nodded, wet-eyed, and cleared their throats. They did not seem surprised at all, and each of the neighbours felt his shoulders relax. They walked towards the injured tree, where the children were patting their small palms along the scarred bark. If it hadn't been the tree, it might have been the house, they agreed. The tree man had the ash cut back, but refused to remove it altogether. Two years later, he called to his neighbours and pointed upward. There was no doubt. New leaves had come in, their skins a tender green. They quivered, stretching towards the springtime sun. I think I might start reading aloud again this winter. Reading these stories is really making me appreciate how it works. You know, I'm not sure my teenagers like it, but just just the thing to do by my new wood burner there, which of course is a charm wood stove, is very much built to last. It's made in Britain and comes with a 10-year guarantee. I really like the the idea of storytelling by the firebex because it's such an ancient ritual, isn't it? And, you know, I live in an old house, as do you, and, uh, and I imagine the Victorians and Edwardians who lived there before us doing this in the same way. So do I. Yeah. I do. I often think about that. Yeah, I love reading by the fire as well, but reading, the fires make me sleepy for a start, and then reading makes me sleepy. So yes. it does seem to end up in, in with me asleep. No, I, I can imagine that. There's nothing like draw, just going drowsy in front of a fire, is there? Yeah. And um, and obviously reading in bed at night, I just fall asleep before I've even read three pages sometimes. But you know, we, we want our sleep in winter, don't we? We do. And I, I often think, um, I look at the clock in the evening and think, is it too early for me to go to bed now and, and, and have a read, <laughs> have a read oh, yeah. in bed? And, but I think that's fine. Um, I, don't, I don't see any problem with that. But don't we need more sleep in winter? Well, no, we don't actually need more sleep in winter. I think that's a bit of a, a, a myth. Oh, really? No, we should really, for good healthy sleep patterns, try and get the same amount of sleep and go to bed at, and get up at roughly the same amount of time all the time, really, weekends and during the week. So it's really, if you're a big kind of a, a night owl who likes to lie in, that can be really hard. At the weekends, you might think, you're, you know, your treat is to lie in bed all morning. Mm-hmm. But it actually, it does sort of disrupt your body's natural rhythms, your circadian rhythm. So what you're saying is I shouldn't resent not having a long lie-in when I have to get up and walk the dog at the weekends. <laughs> no, no. Because actually it's good for me. Yeah, yeah, it's the same. I might have a, like an extra half an hour or something. Like that. Yeah. But you do find that you kind of wake up roughly about the same time anyway if you're in a habit of getting up to the same time. So the secret is not to um, not to kind of try and get back to sleep because it's the weekend and maybe mm. get up and, and do something. But uh, have a nap a bit later on if you're tired. Oh, an afternoon nap. Yeah. Oh, now, yes. 
that's and that's good for you I think if try and keep it short maybe and not it's hard, but not more than probably 20 minutes or just rest. You know, there's, there's a lot of benefits of resting. It doesn't have to be sleep. If you're not someone who can just nap easily, and I know a lot of people can't, then there, there are benefits to just resting more. So does rest mean just sitting there or can it be sort of active rest? It definitely can be active rest. So it depends what you need and lying down and reading and having a rest or just watching something on TV is a nice, a nice rest, but rest can be whatever you find restful. So it might be back to doing those, you know, those projects that we've talked about. It might be going for a, for a walk. Um, I think the pressure is not to, is not to try and enforce it, but do what feels right for you. Mm. And so if you, but if you're not a great sleeper, presumably, and you know, we all know the things like the teas and the lavender and things like that, that can help you sleep. But are there ways that, you know, other rituals or things or things you can do that help you prepare really to get a good night's sleep? Yes, there are. And I think that all the experts say that that preparation before bedtime is really important rather than just kind of falling into bed with without any giving it any thought or I mean, there's the saying that you sort of take the stresses of the day into the night. So if you do have your a bit more of a, a calming rituals, mm. like you said, with calming tea, no caffeine, try and reduce the screen time, things that I mean, we know, but whether we do them or not um, is another thing. What do you use? Well, I am an okay sleeper. I'm fortunate to to quite enjoy my sleep. But when I have, when I'm very busy, or if I've got something on my mind, I I might have problems sleeping, or I might wake up and not be able to go back to sleep. I do find um, a meditation app on my phone, and using one of those uh, sleep guided meditations will help me to. Well, I've never I've never got to the end of one. Put it that way. Oh really? Yeah. Oh well, they so they do work, right? They do work, <laughs> and it, but yeah, I mean, it's what finding the one that one ones that you like. There are lots of different apps, and then within the apps, there are lots of different meditations that you can try, or you could just try. So you might like the sound of someone's voice, or you might find that annoying. Mm. Um, you might like nature sounds. You might like listening to waves or birds. There are there's everything, and it's about finding what works for you. Yeah, no, that's interesting because sound is really good, isn't it? Because one of the things I really like when I'm working, especially if I'm doing something stressful, because I, I find it really difficult to work with like the radio on, but the sound of my dog snoring is, is just really <laughs> peaceful or just even breathing heavily. Yeah. You know, it's really calming. Yeah. And my dog curls up on my feet. Yeah, exactly. Just a bit of background noise, isn't it? That just is is regular. Yeah. And it's almost a, um, a metronome kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the sound healing is quite, is quite a thing. And um, we've actually written about it in the February issue. There's a piece um, on, it's, it's all about kind of ways to just soothe yourself, to self-soothe really, called Go Gently and sound healing is one of the things and again that can be you can go to have you ever have you heard of sound bath yes yeah yeah so you go and you can either go to a place where you lay down you're made very comfortable and then you listen to there's sort of different sort of instruments cymbals and gongs and different sometimes chanting and humming and or you can obviously listen to them online but you can use those the sound healing can be just putting some headphones in and listening to some music that you find relaxing apparently it's a really quick way or an easier way to enter that kind of meditative state if you find actual sort of sitting quietly meditating difficult yeah interesting yeah well i i'm being gentle on myself this new year good i've decided that i am easing into the year so i'm refusing to up the pace until I feel my energy levels can cope with it. It's not easy, I have to say. It's a little bit of a struggle because there's always something that needs doing, isn't there? But I figure that this is, you know, 
this month particularly is the only opportunity you get to build up gradually, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, because when you go on holiday or something in the summer, you come back and it's wham, you're straight back into work and, you know, you soon forget you've been on holiday. But I figure that this time of year, you can just ease in. So that's my plan anyway. I think that's a really good idea. And just listen to what listen to what you need. So I'm really enjoying um, through January. It's a kind of habit that I've got into is doing yoga, a little bit of yoga every day. Nice. Um, and I'll do it just 20 minutes or and I'm actually following a plan. And it's been I've missed one or two days. I'm not hard on myself if I miss it. Obviously, sometimes it doesn't happen. But um, I do really notice that I sleep better and I don't know, just feel kind of feel calmer when I'm doing that. So I, I always intend to kind of keep it up through the year. It's kind of like a ritual, isn't it? Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, and actually, I hadn't really thought about it as a ritual, but just this last few weeks, I've been painting some old furniture. But instead of seeing it as a task to be done on the to-do list, I was like thinking, okay, well, what I won't try and do is do it over a weekend and, you know, try and finish it all at once. Okay, yeah. I'm just doing a little bit each night. So I've got this old chair and these shelves that are set up in the corner of the room. And I just wash my brushes each night and do a bit more painting. And it's okay. The smell of the paint is not quite as restful as I'd like, but it's okay (laughs) because I got a nice scented candle for Christmas and I've lit that and it takes the edge off. But that's um, another one of those mindful activities that we were talking about. Absolutely. So while I'm doing my jigsaw, you're painting your chair. Absolutely. And you were both kind of letting ourselves, letting our minds relax. No, and and actually, you know, project. Projects are really good, aren't they? Because we run a project in every issue of the magazine. And I think they're all, they're not always complicated. And sometimes they're things you can do in an afternoon. But there is something really absorbing. We talked about earlier with both pastimes. But they are a ritual of sorts. And you can find things to do. And that is rest, isn't it? That is rest. Yeah. Um, We've done a piece on houseplant, sort of looking after your houseplants, haven't we? Yeah. I'm having real problems with my plants at the moment. They're all, I don't know if it's the heating, it's been cold, hasn't it? We've had the heating up and they're just, they're not happy. So I've got a couple that I think need, definitely need repotting. I mean, houseplants are tricky because we we tend to know a, a lot more about the plants that are in our garden than than we do about houseplants. Um, yeah. And the woman that we've interviewed in the magazine is really interesting because she doesn't pick the plant that's looking the healthiest at the garden centre or the supermarket. That's right. She buys the one that's ailing and brings it back to life. So she really notes her stuff. Takes on the challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But most of it is about watching and learning and seeing where they like and what they don't like. And moving them around, and I do that, and move them into different rooms. Yeah, although not moving them around too often, because you have to let them kind of settle in and see whether they like it before you move them again. Oh. Yeah, I know. I feel like I'd like our experts to come and, and have a look at my plant. Personal house plant. <laughs> it gives you that little bit of nature fix as well, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. It does. But you know what? Just talking about all these ideas and activities has made me calmer. Good. And more appreciative of the time that January gives us. Yeah. I think New Year, you know, it's, it's billed as a time for doing and self-improvement and resolutions, but I don't see there's any rush to you. No, I think we've said before that I feel like spring is a better time for that. Absolutely. And this time of year. 
really nice to be able to just to just take a moment to think about what you need at the moment yeah and try and listen and be just be kinder to yourself and don't put yourself under lots of pressure well I'm going to be lighting my candles walking when the weather allows and just taking time to see winter out really so you know thank you Bex for joining me in the hibernacle pleasure and thanks also to Charmwood Stoves for their support Bex and I will both be back in the next episode of our podcast to talk about the small ways we can make winter more merry in our cheer episode. Bye for now. Bye.